Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer new back in America. America. Soccer new. Featuring person. Talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to episode 119 of Soccer Noob Rockin' America featuring my 10-year-old daughter and co-host extraordinaire, Person Noob. Hello! Thank you so much for greeting the fine folks. We are here to do what no other show in the world gives you. Sure, they're all giving you previews oftentimes of matches, but we're going to do it for the most important paramount matches from around the world. But as we define that, we're willing to go to any country, any top flight league, any confederation in the world, whether it's a big, important country whose matches you can see on TV or not, if the match is important where it's being played, it's there's a pretty good chance that it's on our radar because we are keeping track of every single top flight men's FIFA league and a lot of the women's ones all across the entire globe. Noobs we may be, but we're trying to learn the whole darn world at once. This week, we're going to be doing mini-match previews Dating from Friday, January 20 through Thursday, January 26th, our week always runs that way. Let's waste no time and dive right into things with... Match number one! Our first is a match from one of the great leagues in the world, the Bundesliga, the top flight in Germany, ranked number three in all of Europe. They max out on European competition berths that they will earn. Their top four finishers will go to next year's Champions League group stage. One team will go to the secondary Europa League group stage, and one more will get to go to the fairly new tertiary tournament, the Europa Conference League, starting as far up as they can, which is the playoff round immediately preceding the group stage. Your matchup, at the very least at the time I scouted it, remember that things can change in the couple of days between scouting and recording. Number three, RB Leipzig taking on number one, the mighty Bayern Munich. Here's a quick look at the table. Bayern, 34 points. Freiburg have 30. Then you have RBL, Red Bull Leipzig at 28, and Frankfurt and Union Berlin at 27. It seems like Munich is going to be fairly safe as we're right about at the halfway point of the season and getting one of those berths. No real surprise we'll get into just how much of a powerhouse they are shortly. As far as the other Champions League berths, looks like it's going to be a game of musical chairs. We'll have to see who of that bunch gets left out. The series between these two teams has been all Bayern recently with a 9-5-1 record. You can catch this iteration 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time here in the States, ESPN The Hot Deuce or ESPN Deportes. We will, as always, start by talking about the hosts. They are Leipzig. By the way, that is the eighth biggest city in the country, and it's the biggest in the state of Saxony, about 600,000 people. Wasn't doing really well there for a while economically, but the city has made a real comeback this century. After German reunification, a lot of the industry 
kind of the war machine shutting down, that really hurt them for a time. Uh, it's made something of a comeback. There's a lot of auto manufacturing there. And they are a leader in production of something that I wouldn't have thought about so specifically, something called breakdown cranes. Those are the cranes that you see uh, as pertains to uh, railway stations or out in rail yards that, for example, are moving entire train cars on and off the tracks. Kind of neat. Footy-wise, the club is a very young one, founded in 2009, specifically by the Red Bull Corporation. Twice they have finished in second place in the league, most recently 2020-2021. They have not been able to wrest away a title from Bayern just quite yet. Could this be the year? Uh, probably not. And yeah, one never knows. That's why they play the games. 2019-2020, this team made the Champions League semifinal. They're about to play in the round of 16 against Manchester City. And last year, they earned another major trophy for themselves, or their first one, I should say, in winning the FA Cup. Last year in league play, they finished in fourth place, hence the reason that they're still in the Champions League. This year, this is a really well-balanced team that I don't think will have any real problems holding on to a top-four spot. They're getting two goals per match and have a top-three defense to go with it. They're tied for number three in goal differential overall. If you're watching this match, or even if you're not, keep players that can be looked for. Number one league-leading scorer now that the famous Robert Lewandowski is gone. Well, it's a guy that plays for a Leipzig as striker. He is from France, Christopher Nkunku. He came up with PSG over in France and has already earned eight national caps there. Unfortunately, you won't actually literally be able to keep your eyes on him this particular match. match. He is injured, not expected back for a few weeks. Who will they be leaning on? Well, their next best score is Timo Werner, German striker. Uh, he's got four on the season so far. He just came back from a couple seasons over at Chelsea, and he is the all-time team leading scorer in history with 100-plus goals. Been there a very long time, even more than Lewandowski. Tied for second best in Liga 6, assists with seven is Dominic Zoboslai. He is Hungarian. Attacking midfielder, just 22 years old. Uh, he's come through the Red Bull pipeline, as they say. They also own uh, the best team over in Austria in Salzburg. He played there and now has made the move over here. And by the way, we do have a USA connection with this team. Caden Clark, an attacking midfielder, just 19 years old. Uh, they've officially got him in their fold now, but he's already back on loan with uh, from whence he came, which was the New York Red Bull system. He's going to be playing with their reserve team once again, I believe. And he's been playing some with the U.S. national team, or at least at the youth level. He's made uh, 11 U-20 appearances. As far as the team's overall form of late, well, they are unbeaten in 16 matches across all competitions plus friendlies, and they have won nine straight matches. Bayern Munich, the star of the South, coming to town looking to wreck that streak. 11 straight league titles says that they have all the confidence they need to do exactly that. There's only five titles this entire century that they have not won over in Germany. Six different times they have won the Champions League, most recently 2019-2020, and they too are about to play in the Champions League round of 16. They've got the best offense by far, getting an astounding three-plus goals per match, and then the number one defense in the league to go with that. Number one goal differential by a factor of four. There's just about no slowing down this machine. Tied for number four in league scoring with seven is Jamal Musala, German-born attacking uh, midfielder, just 19 years old. He actually played 
some with uh, at, with one or more of the youth teams over in England for a national scope before switching over to the German national team. And he's made 20 appearances for them already. And he's also tied for number four in assists in the league with six. And yet, you can't entirely count on a, a, a noob, can you? Well, here's to hoping you can sometimes, like with your podcast. But really, the best guy that they have going is their defensive midfielder, longtime veteran Joshua Kimmich. Uh, he's having the best year of his career. He's nearly 90% on his passing accuracy now. Very good dribbler. Gets lots of interceptions just all over the field. Uh, thanks to these two and others, the team's current form, they are unbeaten in their last 14. They just did have a draw against Salzburg over in Germany, played to a 4-4 draw. Uh, and they have won 10 straight in all recent competitions. Match number B. Number two. Does anybody even say that anymore? Didn't it sound so much nicer and less blue to hear number B instead? Adopt the practice into your daily lives, if you wouldn't mind. Let's make the world a much more couth place. Your second match, number B, is a Sunday match. We're giving Saturday a skip. None of the matches there were quite bright and shiny enough to make our main 10. And we're headed to the Netherlands, which is... uh, Their top flight is the Eredivisie. It is ranked number six in all of Europe. They don't quite max out the way Germany does on births, but they still get one team into the Champions League group stage, another into the third qualifying round, and then two teams into the Europa Conference League, and neither of them will have to start all the way back in the first or any sort of preliminary qualifying rounds. That is what at stake, and we are big on stakes. Number one, Feyenoord is taking on number three, Ajax. This is their country's version of De Klassiker, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, in the Dutch. I'm not quite sure there. The table, let's take a glance. Uh, Feyenoord, they have 37. They lead AZ Alkmaar. I think they just mostly get referred to as AZ. Uh, Lead them by four with 33 points. Then Ajax and PSV Eindhoven. Feyenoord, Ajax, and PSV are usually your big three. Alkmaar are kind of the interlopers here. Those two are just five points back of the lead at 32 points. Ajax have had the lead of a deer, your current powerhouse in the league. Uh, they've accrued an 18-5 and 3 record against Feyenoord in recent seasons. Wow. You can see if this one's going to go the same way or not. 8.30 in the morning Eastern time here in the U.S. ESPN+. Plus. Feyenoord, they play out of the city of Rotterdam and have won 15 league titles. But like I said, Ajax is the uh, main power here currently. Feyenoord have only won one title this century, 2016-17. They're halcyon days, as it were. Uh, We're back in the 1960s and 70s. And in fact, that's the only time they ever won what is now called the Champions League was back in uh, 1970. They haven't been past that tournament's group stage any time since 2001. They do have two Europa League titles under their belt. Most recent one was starting out the century, more or less, 2001-2002, and they're about to play in the round of 16. Last year, they made some great news internationally by getting to the final of the Europa Conference League, the newish tertiary tournament in Europe. They lost in the final to Roma. Last year in league play, they finished in third place. This year, it's another really well-balanced team. They've got the second-best goal differential in the league. So this is a team that I certainly wouldn't see collapsing at the very least. Uh, They're getting almost two and a half goals per match and have the second-best defense in the league to help that out. Key players to look for. Second-best player overall in the entire league, in my opinion, is Orkan Kekcha. He is Turkish. Central midfielder and just... 
Uh, 22 years old, seven goals, one assist already on the season. He is a high-volume shooter, and he's an accurate shooter, and that's something of a rare combination. Here in the Netherlands, he actually played at the youth level. He was eligible, but it looked like he wasn't going to get all the senior team he wanted. He was also eligible in Turkey, and he is now playing for their national team and, in fact, has almost made 20 appearances there despite his young age. I wouldn't expect him to be with Feyenoord or anywhere in the Netherlands too much longer. He's going to go to the Premier League or somewhere. Arsenal, amongst other teams, gave him a really hard look last summer. He won't be here much longer. Tied for number one goalkeeping, at least in terms of clean sheets, want to mention uh, Justin Bilo. He's got eight of those. He's been here his entire career, knows the system, but I think it's really more the defense in front of him than that has made the biggest difference because he's only he's not even quite in the top half of the league, quite frankly, in terms of save percentage. So I want to do something I've not done too much before and highlight somebody else other than their netminder. Number one in interceptions in the entire league, just shy of three per match, which is just crazy high. Marco Lopez, Peruvian left back, 23 years old. And yes, MLS fans, this is the same guy you're thinking of, despite the fact that Marcos and Lopez are not individually super uncommon names. This is the same guy that played for the San Jose Earthquakes for three total seasons up through last year. He's also made a couple of dozen Peruvian national team appearances. Teams current form, they are 3-1-0 recently across all competitions. And now Ajax coming to town to see if they can uh, make some progress toward re-winning their crown once again, and I'm sure they see it as theirs. They play out of Amsterdam, are known as the Sons of the Gods. Yes, they are named for Ajax, the Greek god, not the uh, cleaner that used to have the bald guy, I think, on the ads. Or was that Mr. Clean? Anyway, doesn't matter. Uh, probably a top 20 club in UEFA. I know that they were ranked that high just maybe 18 months ago. 36 league titles, and they are the two-time defending champs. They've won the vast majority of the titles over the last decade or so. They've also won the Champions League title four different times, but none since 1994-95. Ajax these days, while still a very, very good team, is more known for its youth player production, and they stay profitable not by winning European competitions or going super far in those, but rather by selling off very, very young, talented players. They've got an amazing scouting system. Oh, and by the way, they are in the Europa League, just like Feyenoord. They're about to play in the playoff round against Union Berlin. They were one of the great teams of the world in the 20th century, maybe the very best in Europe. 2018-19, by the way, they made the semifinal of this event as well. And they also won what is now called the Europa League. It was in a different, it was under a different name back then in 1991-1992. But again, most of their winning was in the 20th century. This year in league play, uh, the defense is okay, but the offense is really where their uh, bread is getting buttered. Two and three three quarters goals per match. It's so cartoonish, it was hard for me to say. They've got the number one goal differential despite not having a top three defense. Top three in the league in scoring with eight on the year is Brian Broby, striker, just 20 years old. Uh, He was being targeted recently by Manchester United. I think maybe they were seeing him as sort of a uh, safety net possibility for replacing Cristiano Ronaldo, but he ended up signing here for five years instead. Now, that doesn't mean somebody won't pay enough money to still get him potentially, but with that five-year contract, I'm going to guess, also comes a really big buyout clause. IXB like that. 
He was on loan with Leipzig that we were just talking about last match uh, recently, but he says he has no desire to go back there. He's from here and wants to stay here until he's ready for his next big move. Also tied for number three in the league in scoring is Steven Bergwin plays left winger for them. He came over from Tottenham Hotspur. And then second best in assists in the league is Dusan Tadic, Serbian left winger, 34 years old, who spent the heart of his career with Southampton. Teams current form, they are unbeaten in their last seven, but there have been a lot of draws in there. Match number three. Another Sunday match, and this one from perhaps the biggest league of them all, the Premier League in England. Number one, Arsenal taking on and playing host to number four, the aforementioned Manchester United. Quick glance at the table, Arsenal. I don't want to say they're running away with it, but that's going to be a phrase we can use before too long. They have 47 points to second best Manchester City's 39. And then you have Newcastle and today's guests, Manchester United at 38. Tottenham, uh, they're starting to fade a little bit. They're back down at 33. We're halfway through the season here, roughly in England. And I think you're already looking at your top four teams, ones who are going to make the Champions League. And that's all we're going to talk about this particular one. This is where recently we have been doing endangered aminals segments with my daughter. But guess what? She had been sort of filling that space as we've been saying our 3,500-year-old prognosticator, Noob Stradamus, has been on hiatus. Uh, To be honest, that's been a diplomatic way of saying that he has been unreachable. So we're curious not only to find out what he thinks is going to happen in this particular match there in Islington, uh, the home of Arsenal, but maybe, you know, learning where exactly he's been and why we haven't been able to reach him. What say you, a mighty soothsayer? Greetings from the north central London suburb of Islington, home of Arsenal. I come here not for Premier League, but in search of freedom. Freedom from you, noob. Our agreement is a strange but straightforward one. Soccer score, prognostication for you, Fresca, and loose expired prescription pills for me. And mostly I feed the pills to birds. Passes for entertainment on the Thracian plains of Greece, my usual haunt. It's that lime grapefruit ambrosia that keeps me wasting my divination gift on mere football scores. But what you send me is less sweet than store-bought, like my own personal brand of cocaine. I know you're sending me the truly original formula stuff. But Coca-Cola stopped making it with Cyclamate Sweetener decades ago, being US FDA banned. Saccharin. Now, whatever else they're on to, it's too much. Too much! I traced the black market, European distribution network, back to here. The Nigerian gangsters are fraudsters, but not in this field. London's Cypriot Turkish gangs don't have the finances for this. Neither do local white gangs, like Kelly Boys or Red Pitch. All big players in London otherwise. Then it hit me. Covering Arsenal and Islington, you've twice mentioned the Little Angel Puppet Theatre there. The former Temperance Hall building. Oh, the irony there. Only seats 100. How can those marionette-wielding wankers stay open? It's a front, isn't it? 
Cyclamates are still legal in Europe. It's cheaper than other sweeteners. This must be your source for original formula fresca. But, dear Muppet Ministers, I don't want to see you brought down. I only want my product straight from you. Relying on noob for this happy addiction robs me of all my dignity. Help me regain my humanity. I'm nearby, and I'm not that hard to find. I'm 3,500 years old and can touch the infinite beyond. I know people. I'm kind of a big deal. Until then... Match number four! Well, I guess at least we might have learned a little bit about Arsenal's home suburb of Islington there. The, the puppet theater and some of the gang activity. But did anybody notice that we didn't get any kind of prognostication? What's the score supposed to be? We're trying to gamble on this thing. You know, if you be right on your scores a little bit more often, Noobstradamus, or bother to provide any guesses at all, we might be able to discuss maybe, you know, getting you your own connection for the fresco, though we would hate to lose you entirely. Maybe we can get you addicted to something else. Although, you know, Aren't we all really addicted to the lime and grapefruit deliciousness that is original recipe fresca? I'd like to think so. All right, match number four is another Sunday match from the Premier Division of South Africa. Top flight there. It is the fourth ranked one in all of Africa, the CAF. Since they are in the top 12, they get to send two teams to their Champions League, and then an additional team will get to go to the Confederation Cup, which is their version of the Europa League. They're just over halfway through the season down there. Your matchup, number three, Super Sport United versus number B, Richards Bay. The table, Mamelodi Sundowns have run away and hidden already with the trophy. They might have even delivered it to him for all I know. 43 points as compared to Richard Bay back at 29. So they're competing for that second Champions League berth with Super Sport at 27. And then Kaiser Chiefs are kind of flirting with trying to compete for it. They've got 24 when these two played earlier in the season, it was Super Sport that got a road win, nil one, and we will talk about them first. And with a nickname like this, why not? They are known by a couple different things. One is the trendsetters. All right, it's unique at least. It's not Lions. We hate Lions. But they are also known as the Swanky Boys. Yeah, I just love that. And they don't even spell it with a Z, so they're not even trying to go 1990s like cool slash ironic with it. They play out of the town of Adderidgeville, which is in western Pretoria. That's basically the, uh, it's in the north-northeast part of the country, and it's the administrative capital of the country there. They just don't have separation of powers, but the government's actually got administration in one city. They'll have the uh, judicial stuff in another and so on. Got about 70,000 people there. city was established in 1939 directly by the government as a settlement for black people. Uh, so a lot of people of that color were moved from the surrounding area and relocated here, all a, a part of the apartheid uh, you know, movement that was happening there, sadly. Footy-wise, three league titles. They won them between 2007 and 2010. They've made four Champions League appearances there in Africa. The best result they had was making the group stage. That was in 2003-2004. They've had a little bit more luck in the Confederation Cup. They made the final of that in 2016-17. Last year, they didn't get a sniff of any of that stuff. They finished in only eighth place in the league, just a touch above average. This is a very low-scoring league. 
Can you believe that one and a quarter goals is good enough to be in second place in that regard in this league? Their defense is only top seven, yet they don't even give up one per match. The goal differential is top three. So I think they've got a coin flip chance of being the team that gets that second uh, Champions League berth earned if they can finish runner-up to Mamelodi. They're one of only four teams in the league, strangely enough, with a positive goal differential. I don't really know what that says about the league as a whole, but it was just sort of a weird thing to see. Tied for number one in scoring the league with seven is Bradley Grover, 34 years old. Uh, European fans could recognize him from his days with the mid-table team in Turkey. That's a tough tongue twister. Tepi. Boy, I thought that would be the harder thing to say, the name of a Turkish city, but go figure. And by the way, he's also made seven national team appearances for South Africa, though I think he's officially retired for that. He made them between uh, 2015 and 21. Wasn't getting used much. Number one in the league in assists with five on the year is Ikram Rainier, South African midfielder. But I think their best player is probably, oh, and I've had to practice this one, Safisile Ndiovu, South African midfielder. He has had an 82% uh, tackle success rate on the season, and not just because he's tried a handful of it. That is an outrageously successful percentage. Never seen the like of it. And he's got boatloads of interceptions. So a great combination of power and speed with that guy. You wonder if maybe there aren't European teams taking a look at him. Teams current for him, but they've lost two straight matches. And now Richards Bay. This is a team I was a little bit less familiar with, and the why of that will become clear soon. By the way, the province they play in is called Natal, and so they are known as the Natal Rich Boys. So kind of along the same lines as Swanky, but you know, rich just sounds a little bit more in mundane as an adjective. I like Swanky Boys better. Richards Bay is the name of the town that they play out of. It is also the name of the deepest natural harbor on the continent of Africa. City is in the east-northeast part of the nation. They've got about 60,000 people there, and despite all the harbor traffic, the unemployment is outrageously high there at maybe 40%. Just unbelievable. Now, the club, if you're not familiar with it, don't feel bad. I wasn't either for the most part. They were only founded in 2017. They won the first division, which is the second tier in South Africa, just last year. So I believe this is their first year up here. Their defense is incredible. They've clearly spent their finances on that. Uh, they are tied for second best in that regard, only giving up a goal every other game on average. Their offense is pretty weak, though, even for South Africa, and I think that's going to haunt them as they try to uh, chase a Champions League berth. At this point, they do have the best second overall goal differential, though. On the defensive side, number one in save percentage and second best in clean sheets. The two go together so well. Anchoring their defense is Jamal Salim from Uganda. But I think the best player, at least the best outfield player that they have is Tsepo Mabua, South African defender who really likes to get up. He's got a couple of uh, goals already on the season. His clearances and his interceptions are off the charts high. So he may be getting up the field to help with the offense, but if he's doing much of it, boy, he tracks back fast. Team's current form, their only loss in their last 11 matches was, understandably, to number one Mamaloni Sundowns. Match number five. That's it for your weekend, but there is no rest for the weary. We're right back into it on Monday. This might be one of our shorter previews. I don't have a lot on one of these teams and the other one you probably already know plenty about. 
Monday, we take a look at the Coupe de France, their FA Cup, which has reached the round of 32. When we last talked about it, we were talking about the overseas territory team of Les Tamponais from the nation or territory of Réunion, uh, east of Madagascar, somewhat near Africa. Sadly, they lost last week, and so now we are going minnow watching, looking for a giant slayer. And the lowest uh, tiered team that is still left alive from the sixth level of the French pyramid, which is actually roughly the same level that they consider the overseas territories to collectively be. We have U.S. Pace de Castle, and they are playing a host. Yeah, they got the draw, and they get to uh, invite PSG to town, the mighty League One powerhouse. We're going to talk about the home team first, and only the home team. You probably, if you're a veteran fan, already know everything you need to about PSG. There's not a whole lot that I would normally bring you this brand new. Plus, we just talked about them last week. U.S. Uh, Pace de Cassell. I also don't know a ton about football team. I mean, you try to find anything in English on sixth tier, you know, basically amateur French football. Good luck to you. But we like to nerd out a little bit on the geography and such here. So I do have some information for you. Uh, the town of Castle is in the far north of the country, not real far from the coast. It's built on what passes there for a mountain. It's really, really uh, just a high hill, about 600 feet Mount Castle. And it's in the region of French Flanders. It's so high up, they have said at different points historically, that you could see five different nations or kingdoms from the top of this hill. So it's in a really interesting geographic point. History of us might recognize this name. Everybody is a little bit more familiar with Dunkirk, which in World War II was a site of a key battle. Well, the evacuation, the success of that from Dunkirk was in large part made possible by a holdup of any enemy forces uh, here right around this hill, Castle. Now, the French lost, but they held up the enemy forces long enough that that made that evacuation up at Dunkirk much more successful. This area, castle, only about 2,500 people, but there's a lot of villages and uh, towns up here in the north of France, especially being near this near to the coast. So they are not completely devoid of fans or necessarily out in the hinterlands. The feline version of da-da-dun, yeah, let's give the kitties an update of last week's matches, and they are for you as well. Match number one was a Saturday match last weekend. The Manchester Derby United took on City, and I believe what most odds makers considered an ever-so-slight upset, even though they were at home, it was Man United getting the 2-1 win. No change in the table for these two teams. For City, Kevin De Bruyne had an assistant. For United, Marcus Rashford had the opening goal. Match number B, same day. Saudi Arabia's Premier League number B, Al-Shabaab, took on Cristiano Ronaldo's new team. Number one, Al Nasser. Not that Ronaldo was slated to be in this one, and he wasn't, but they did play to a nil-nil draw. That race is tight enough that Ashley Shabab are all the way down to number four now. Match number three from the Premier League of Antigua and Barbuda in the Caribbean. Number B, Granades took on number one, All Saints United. It was the Saints getting a nil-three win. No change at the table, but obviously they have widened their lead. Sunday match number four from the French League One. Number four, Grand took on number one powerhouse PSG. And probably another slight home upset here. Ran one, one to nil. Now, because of results from early in the weeks, 
uh, earlier in the week for them and various teams ran. Despite this win, they're actually now down in fifth place. Match number five from the WSL, the women's top flight in England. Number B, Arsenal, took on number one, Chelsea. They played to a 1-1 draw. League leaders Chelsea waited all the way till the 89th minute to get their equalizer. Arsenal are actually down to number three. Match number six, the FA Cup final in China between Zhejiang and Shandang, uh, Shandong Taishan. It was Taishan getting a 2-1 win. Monday, match number seven from the Championnat National in the African nation of Guinea. Number one, Haroya took on upstarts number B, Hafia, and it was Hafia. Surprise, getting the no-one win. Maybe a little shift in power in that league. No change in the table, but the races, of course, gotten closer. Match number eight to the AFF Cup final, second leg of the home and away two-legged tie between Thailand and Vietnam. Turned out the Vietnam uh, earned a 2-2 draw at home, but Thailand, they defended their home pitch with a 1-0 win. Congratulations to the, China, the uh, title winners. Match number nine from the African Nations Championship. Number three in their group, Mali took on number nine, Angola. Sorry, that's the overall seeding. Regardless, they played to a 3-3 draw. Thursday, match number 10 from the Copa del Rey. Say Utah from all the way down in the third division and new to that level of that got to play host to Barcelona in the round of 16 in Spain's FA Cup. Barcelona was having none of the upset business. They won nil five. And now your bonus matches with explanations to come later. Friday's round of the week, France, Division One Femini, number one PSG took on number 12, last place Rodez Aveyron. Wasn't much of a route, but PSG did get the win one nil and their superstar Cadidiato. Uh, Diani did have the lone goal. The most meaningless match in the world. The Friday match, Australia's A-League women, number seven, Canberra United versus number eight, Newcastle Jets. Canberra won it in a route five to one. Uh, we point out who is the most average or quote-unquote most meaningless players in these matches sometimes. The one we mention for Canberra, Nicoletta Flannery. She had the second highest team rating according to FOTMOB, which I know and trust very well. She tackled and dueled incredibly well. And then for Newcastle, in the loss, uh, most meaningless player Ashley Brodigan. She had a well above average rating and also tackled and dueled very well. So congratulations to those two particular gals on rising above the nomenclature that we gave to them. By the way, that moved Canberra United up to 6th of the table, and Newcastle fell down to 10th place. And then finally, from the match of Disappointed, Antigua and Barbuda once again. Number 15, Parham versus number 16, the last place, Liberta. They played to an appropriate 2-2 draw. Although, Parham, they moved up, and I believe just out of the relegation zone. Oh, I take that back. They don't have one. In any case, they did move up one slot further away from last place into 14th. That concludes your recap of last week's matches. Now, let's get back into tracking the upcoming week's matches with... Match number six. More for your Monday, and here in Europe, but this time we venture... Finally, a little bit away from the top leagues and into an area where most Western podcasts aren't as likely to be. Say hello to Liga One of Romania. Very average, at least for over in Europe. They are the 25th ranked league on the continent. At the end of the regular season, this league, like a lot of them, will divide into championship rounds. That'll be for the top six and the relegation rounds, the bottom 10 from this league. And they'll play some more again at the end of that. One team will get to go to the Champions League first qualifying round, and then three teams will get to go to the Europa Conference League. They're about two-thirds of the way through the season, or at least the regular season, before they uh, divide the league into two. 
Your matchup, number one, FCV Faro Constata taking on number B, CFR Kluge. Uh, currently, Faro Constata lead Kluge by just one. Kluge in turn lead a trio of teams by six points. So it's not truly a two-horse race quite yet, but it's really getting to that point. When the two played earlier this season, it was Farul Constata that won one to three on the road. Series between these two recently. And if you follow soccer from this part of the uh, continent at all, this won't be surprising. Cluj have had the best of it with a 14-7-10 and 10 record. In fact, I'm surprised that it's even that close because they are one of the two usual league behemoths, whereas Farul Constata is typically not there. We'll talk about Constata first. They are known as the Sailors or the Sharks. Uh, very sea-oriented team geographically. Farul, in fact, means lighthouse, and uh, that's because this team, this city, is on the Black Sea coast, Constata. It's the fifth biggest in the country. has maybe 300,000 people. A little bit of mythology for you. Legend has it that Jason and the Argonauts landed here after they retrieved the Golden Fleece. This is also, and this is not mythological, this one's true, one of the oldest continuously inhabited places in all of Europe. So big for archaeology nerds. The club went bankrupt in 2016-17, but fans, they took up arms immediately, figuratively speaking, and recreated this club. And then their FA said, that's fine, but you've got to start all the way down in Liga 4. So they've done some climbing, obviously, since then, made it back to the top flight. Uh, before they did that, they were bought up by a different team, the owner of uh, Vitoro Constata, and merged the two, despite the fact that the uh, owner obviously had Vitoro first. When they merged them, uh, he made the decision that that name would disappear and that this name, Farul, would be the one that went forward. So they have kind of inherited the other team's history, so to speak, when it comes to records and such. So they just rejoined Liga 1 last year, 2021-2022 season. And last year, they did pretty well for their first year back. They finished in fifth place. This year, number one offense with two per game and a top three defense to go with it. Number one goal differential by a factor of 50%. They're looking good. Tied for second best in league goals on the year with nine is Dennis Olibeck, central, uh, rather center forward. Uh, he started his career here, actually, but then he went to Inter Milan over in Italy, of course, they mostly loaned him out, so now he's back. But if you follow a lot of different European clubs, you might know him from his time in uh, Turkey uh, with Greece and back here in Romania. He actually played for their opponents today, uh, CFR Kluge. Tied for number three in assistant league with five on the year is Alexi Paul P2, just 20 years old, left winger for them. A number of EPL clubs have shown interest in him, but the biggest club from over in the UK that's really been tracking him has been Rangers in Scotland, one of their big two. Team's current form is starting to fade maybe just a little bit. Chinks in the armor showing. They're 0-2-1 in their last three. Coming to hopefully take advantage, Cluj. Give you some perspective. This club is uh, considered to be maybe just outside the top 50 in Europe. Number 60 was the most recent ranking that I could find. Uh, that puts them between uh, AS Monaco, one of the former great powers in France. That's somewhat on the rise again. And uh, the giant in Azerbaijan, Karabag. They play out of the hyphenated city of Cluj-Napoca, which is the fourth biggest in the country, has maybe 350,000. You'll find that in the northwest. It's more or less the unofficial capital of Transylvania. And while it's most famous, of course, then 
to us anyway, for the mythology, the folklore regarding vampires, it's actually in reality becoming a really big tech study for this country. Tons of software development going on in particular. And they're still alive in the Europa Conference League, and they're about to play Lazio in the playoff round. They can win uh, that two-legged tie, then they will be into the group stage. Last year, or rather, the, earlier this year, they played in the Champions League, but they fell out of it in the first qualifying round. They have never been past the group stage in the Champions League or the Europa, and then in the Europa League, they've never been past the round of 32. They are known as the Railway Men, and they have won eight league titles, and over half of those, five to be precise, have all been in a row recently. They are your defending champions. The defense, they've got top three there, and then on offense, not quite as good, but pretty close. They get one and a half goals per match, second best goal differential in the league. What makes them tough to stop on offense when they're really clicking is that they don't have one offensive star. They've got three players who are all just outside the top 10 in the league with four goals each. But the man who's been setting them up, this is who their opponents will be looking to shut down. Cyprian Ian Dayok, their 36-year-old central midfielder. He leads the league with eight assists, and he's got three goals as well. This is his fourth time with this particular club. Every time he leaves, they just pull him back in. Biggest name club he's probably been with. Uh, briefly, he played for German yo-yo club Schalke. And he's made 26 uh, Romanian national team appearances, though I don't think he's made any in at least two years. This team's current form, well, they just had a nine-match unbeaten streak broken against number nine, Hermannstadt. Match number seven. We march into Tuesday and over to Italy, Serie A, the number four ranked league in UEFA, where number five Lazio is going to be playing host to number B in Milan. This is a really key one for Lazio at home because the top four will get to go to the Champions League. And at home, if they want to make some serious headway, they've got to get some points off of a couple of the teams ahead of them. Right now, it's been all Napoli over in Italy, 47 points in the table. Uh, Milan, they've got 38 Juve and Inter Milan are just one point back. And then Lazio and a couple of other teams are stuck at 34. So Lazio right now is in the Europa League spot in number five, looking to make a climb. But boy, it is crowded in that area. The series between these two, Milan have had the slight better of it with a 12, 11, and 8 record. This is another one you can catch on TV here stateside. You just have to tune into CBS Sports Network. It'll be on 245 Eastern Time. But that's all you're going to get from us for this particular match because even though Noob Stradamus is back, Pearson Noob has been having so much fun doing the Aminal segment that she could not be denied. And so we did our research together once again. So, daughter dearest, what do you say we continue our efforts to save all the animals in the world one at a time? What's the one that we're going to cover this week? The Marskin Brown Bear. Right, and it's there in central Italy where this soccer match is taking place that I talked about briefly. How's it doing? Uh, it's critically endangered. Yeah, oh, not just endangered, critically endangered. That's even worse. In fact, the only two worst statuses by whatever international body I read about last week are extinct in the wild and then just flat out extinct. So at least this one is still running around out there. How many of them are out there? Uh, like 50. Mm. But what's one of the main problems that they're having? Uh, is this is just like a third of their females? Like yeah, only a third of them are, are girls. Yeah, so that's really going to hurt their chances. In fact, I've read that there are some experts out there that say uh, that the animal is doomed for extinction because there are so few 
left and so few females. But not everybody I've read about is saying that. So here's to hoping that in raising awareness, we can do our tiny little part to maybe see this bear continue to thrive. Now, what's been the main threat to them? Uh, The main threat is the loss of woodland habitat. Okay, so it's not really uh, directly climate change or uh, man-made dangers or or things that have endangered some of the other animals we've talked about in past weeks. That's really interesting. Now, Marsican brown bear, what what does that name refer to? Um, also, uh, it's called like a peony brown bear, named for the mountain, uh, named for the, for mountains in the area. Marsican, named for historic region in central Italy. Oh, so the, both those names, Apennine and Marsican, they refer to the same bear. Yeah. Okay, that's very cool. And, uh, some of the animals that we've talked about, they, uh, travel in pretty small groups or sometimes in big groups. What can you tell us about this one? Uh, they're very, they're very, very isolative. Uh, they range close to 80 miles. Yeah, 80 miles each. Yeah, 80 miles each. That's something. Well, no wonder there might only be 50 of them left. If their woodlands disappearing and each one takes up like 80 square miles or even more than that, that's really something. Now, last week we talked about the racer snake in Antigua and Barbuda, and mm-hmm. we found out that it is not a threat to humans. This is a lot bigger of an animal. Is it a threat to humans? Uh, no. Uh, is, even though they're omnivores, no. Omnivores, okay. So that means that they eat both plants and meat, right? But mm-hmm. they don't eat they don't eat people. Nope. Okay, well, that's good to know. What kind of stuff do they mostly eat? Uh, they, uh, they mostly eat buckhorn berries. All right. And when they do want, uh, when they do want meaty products, what kind of stuff do they go for? Do they like Lunchables? Uh, no. no, Lunchables are nasty. What do they eat? Insects, chicken, and turkeys. Okay, so that's probably when they're, <clears throat> excuse me, when they're closer to people, they go in for that stuff. And are, are these pretty small as brown bears go, or are they really big? No, they're much larger than most brown bears. Oh, how big do they get? Uh, boys can get up to 450 pounds, and girls just over 300 Wow. I mean, we don't want to fat shame anybody, but, you know, Jenny Craig's out there. I'm sure you can get it in Italy, Marsican brown bears. Although, you know what? There's so few of you left. Just do what you want to do. Um, Now, that's the adult size. What can you tell us about the babies? The babies? They're born only about one and a half pounds. Say that again? They're about one and a half pounds. Only one and a half. My goodness, they are teeny tiny, yet they get up to like 300 or 450 pounds. Does that take a long time or no? Nope. The monarch is super duper 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 very high fast. They grow very fast. And I happen to know because I helped with the research that there is one particular thing about this animal that I think it might be unique to this animal, if not unique, at least very rare. And what can you tell us about that? Uh, the hibernation. Mm-hmm. What about it? Uh, they're fairly conscious. Uh, they get up for a bit. Still don't, uh, still don't need enough to not need all the fat they store up. Okay, so they still eat a lot of food before they hibernate, but then they get up from their nap every so often, might go for a walk, grab some berries, mm-hmm. some chickens, mm-hmm. you know, go to, go to Popeye's or Kentucky Fried Chicken. No. No? You don't think so? I'm not sure they have them in Italy. Do you think they would sponsor our show? Maybe. What's a place you can get meat that should sponsor our show? Subway. That's right. What do you want to tell people about Subway? 
Eat Subway. It's very good. Very <laughs> does, good. Does Subway actually give us anything? No, but, but it's very good. And they have meat, don't they? Yeah. With Marsican brown bears. What kind of sandwich do you think they would like? The meatball or bologna? That sounds like a bunch of bologna. I don't think they'd go to a Subway at all. They would. Yeah, they want Quiznos. They want their they want their stuff toasted. No. They're Italian. They like a little extra work put into their sandwiches. So uh, what are people doing to uh, help try to restore the numbers, give these bears the best chance at making a comeback? Uh, people are planting trees uh, like uh, uh, that they like further into hills. And by moving to like a higher places, they can avoid humans while hunting and more easily have Okay, so hunting is a problem with these bears. I read that it is illegal to hunt them, but that still is happening a little bit, even though it's not the main threat, right? Yeah. All right. Anything else that we want to say about Marsican brown bears before we return to the soccer? I want to say that the babies are the cutest little things. Yeah, we were Googling up baby pictures of Marsican brown bears. If you were to do that, I'm sure you would be inspired to Google up this particular part, maybe make a donation or do something to try to help out. Uh, this park and this animal, and I'm sure several of the other animals that uh, are contained there that could probably use help as well, right? Yeah. Oh, and there's a picture of the adult brown bear, and he even has a name, doesn't he? His name is Sandrino, and he's very cute, and he's smiling at us. That should be his profile picture if he had, an, if I, he had anything. I think it is his profile picture. That is his profile picture. That's what we found anyway. Very so good. save Sandrino. Save the, the Marsica. I kept wanting to say... Uh, uh, Moccasin, not moccasin bear. What was I saying before? Uh, I was, I was saying, I was saying some something, some other way that made it sound like Marit, uh, the uh, the Mariskin bear, like it's related to Mariska Hargitay, one of the leads on Law and Order SVU, who is not probably related to these bears at all, is she? No, no, probably not. Should we get back into the soccer? Yeah. Thanks for your work on that. I appreciate it, daughter. Yeah. Help save Sandrino and children. Match number eight. We're going to do more minnow watching on Wednesday. Match number eight. We're going to go to Greece for their FA Cup, which has reached its quarterfinal stage. And they're, unlike a lot of places, they're actually going to play home and away two-legged ties all the way back at this round of the tournament. At stake, the winner will get a Europa League berth and get to start all the way up at the third qualifying round. That is because of the reputation of the league, or more specifically where they are in the coefficient. The top flight is uh, the Super League and is ranked number 19 in all of UEFA. At least the top three leagues in Greece all send their teams to this. There were a number of them that I couldn't get much of any information on, so I think there might be some regional teams at the fourth level or fully amateur level as well. This match will involve one of the teams from the third division, Apollon Paralimnio, and they are playing host to Super League team Lamia, L-A-M-I-A. Might be Lamia, not sure. Uh, Paralimnio, that is a village of under 170 people, but really it's a part of a slightly larger municipality in the Sears district in the north central part of Greece, uh, basically the geographic region of Macedonia. So the town they're really a part of is, uh, excuse me, Emmanuel Papas. They play in the Gamma Ethniki, as I mentioned, that is the third division. And in fact, there's really five regional leagues that make up that entire division. They're 15 teams strong each. This particular one that they're in is in the north-northeast part of the country. 
They're currently in third place in their league and have very strong metrics for that level. Number two offense, whoops. Oh, I let my minute watching distract me. <laughs> Number B offense in the league getting two and a half goals per match. The defense are only tied for sixth place in that regard, but hey, they're only giving up one goal per match. That just means that there's a glut of teams that are all very, very close in that regard. They've got the third best overall goal differential. Based on what they look like on paper, I think this is a strong team to maybe win their league, but even that won't guarantee that they get to move up to the second level. They will just go to some playoffs to help determine maybe which uh, one, two, or three teams ultimately end up getting to move up. They had to enter this tournament all the way back in the very first qualifying round. Uh, they played the played in the second one, of course, and then for some reason couldn't find the particulars. They actually got buys through the third and fourth round and then had to play in another qualifying round before the knockout stage. Uh, they won that, obviously, and then in the round of 16, they beat fellow third division players Agios Nikolaus, 4-3 on aggregate and added extra time. And now Lamia, yes, this is a Super League team, but if you're going to draw one, this might have been the one for them to get. Now, First, uh, that is both the name of the club and the city. It's in the central part of the country, about 75,000. This is a really fertile agricultural region in the country. That's what they're most famous for. They're named after a daughter of Poseidon. I don't know that she plays a huge role in any particular myths. I actually took a course on it once. I don't recognize her name anyway, but then again, it's been a long time. They've had a little bit more success in the FA Cup than they've had in the Super League. In fact, they made the semifinal last year, and that's the best they've ever done. They got to enter this tournament in the fifth qualifying round. Last round, the round of 16, they defeated second-tier team Athens Calathea 3-2 on aggregate. They might be back in the second division before too long. They're about halfway through their season, and they are ranked in second to last place in the table. They've got the worst offense going and one of the worst I've ever seen in a top flight European league. They're not even averaging a goal every other match. And the defense isn't tons and tons better, to be perfectly honest. Best player they probably have going is Theophanis Sandaris, their Greek-born central midfielder who has two assists on the air. Pretty good passer, lots of interceptions. He's played with some better teams, brings some experiences. He's been with uh, PAOK, one of the big three in Greece, and one of the rising powers, uh, Panathinaikos. This team's current form, they're 1-1-1 one, one, one across all competitions recently. Match number nine. If you thought the weather in Greece was going to be fine on a Wednesday or any other day of the week for that matter, you're going to love even more where we head next. Wednesday is an FA Cup final closer to home, CONCACAF region, specifically the Caribbean, the island nation of Aruba, where the FA Cup is called the Copa Betico. I'm going to say Croes, C-R-O-E-S. Uh, that name is that of a political activist who got them separated from the Netherlands, essentially. He was allowed his voice from that. The Netherlands Antilles, I should say more specifically. Basically, he's considered the father of the country. But I really can't give you much of a mini preview on this because at the time of recording, the semifinals haven't yet been played. The final four teams are pretty big names, at least uh, at that particular level. They're ones I recognize, which says a lot. National, uh, RCA United, and Britannia, easily the best team down there. They've got the most titles for this particular event, would probably be a favorite once again. 
But even more than that, even if I did know who was playing in the final, this is the time of show where noobs tummy gets a little rumbly. It is time for our culture break. That typically means food segment, recipe segment, and this is going to be no exception and get ready for the sweetest one we have ever done meaning that literally as opposed to figuratively though i suppose you can take it both ways bolo preto or dark fruit cake now first of all do not let that name fruit cake fool you stick with me bolo preto i believe that this is a recipe that is or not the recipe specifically but that name refers to as you would imagine by the uh, somewhat generic translation is something that exists in a lot of different cultures here specifically we're talking about traditional aruban wedding cake it is thickly iced uh, usually they put uh, non-edible uh, tiny silver balls on it originally uh, keepsake slices will have those taken away and then like in a lot of cultures they'll put the slices in small boxes usually white ones uh in silver with the initials of the bridal couple right on them and those are distributed to the guests after the wedding reception not that they're not eating it uh there in fact they eat this all the time not quite so dolled up as this particular one is but boldo preto in its most basic form is something that is a very popular everyday food and it can keep for six months or more as long as you keep it refrigerated for reasons that will deliciously become clear to you shortly. Rather than go through the ingredient list as I sometimes do, let's just get right into the directions. We'll learn what goes into it as we go. First, you're going to chop up as finely as you possibly can. And this is one of the key differences between this and more of a chunky, dry, nasty American or English fruitcake. Uh, raisins, prunes, currants glazed lemon peel and then you can use glazed lime peel uh, glazed lime peel or if you want to be just a tiny bit less traditional glazed papaya works if you have people who you don't think will be uh, fans of sort of the non-citrus but strong lime flavor I don't happen to be now you're going to place those fruits in a large earthenware bowl mix them up well and then uh, pour them in blend them up now with what? Two cups of dark caro syrup, a bottle of cherry hearing, basically think cherry cordial, and then about a quarter of a fifth of cognac, I think about six ounces or so. Now, cover that up, set it aside for a couple of, two, uh, for a couple of days after you've mixed it up, minimum, preferably for a week. Next, chop once again as finely as possible in the fruit grinder your almonds. Bitter almonds are specifically the best ones to use for this. Uh, you're going to sift your pound of flour. Uh, that's going to make a pretty traditional size cake, by the way. Set the almonds and the flour aside for later. You preheat your oven to 300 degrees. And then you're going to cream, butter, brown sugar, cinnamon, nutmeg, and ground cloves. Uh, you're going to beat those and add to the cream mixture uh, probably about 20 eggs, even as expensive as those are these days. The actual bake is it, baking isn't going to really, really surprise you. You're going to need a couple different pans for making something that's a traditional uh, wedding cake side. You want to uh, size. You want to use fairly deep ones as well. Cover them with grease, brown paper. Uh, divide the batter between the two pans. You may have to actually bake them for an hour after all that work. Check them with a toothpick. 15-minute intervals, pretty standard, uh, you know, semi-pro baker sort of stuff. Uh, toothpick should be completely free of batter when it's withdrawn from the center of the cakes. This thing is so rich and so sweet. There is absolutely no reason to be overly concerned 
by drying it out. You do not need the center of it to be moist enough to stay on the toothpick. It's going to be just fine. Then when it's cooled all the way down, you can wrap the cakes in aluminum foil, store them in airtight containers, uh, refrigerate them. It's not absolutely necessary, but it's preferred. And then depending on how long you're keeping these, you want to, if it's more than a couple of days, which you really should, you want to sprinkle a little bit more cognac over them from time to time, as opposed to uh, dripping like melted oleo and then cooled or, you know, something of that nature. Get more boozahol in there. It's going to be one of the richest, sweetest experiences I suspect that you can ever have. And even if this sounds like a lot of work, uh, to make either recreationally or specifically for someone's wedding. This might be the sort of thing that if you know someone who's getting it done, you can see if they can find a baker that can make this sort of deliciousness. And match number 10. We're done. Finally. Such a sweet child. But perhaps she has a timed rendezvous to play uh, Roblox games with her friends or classmates or some such. One more Wednesday match before we head into the three super cool bonus matches. And this is a league we're getting to know somewhat well, aren't we, long-time listeners? But this and Cyprus, they are the two great races in the world right now, as far as I'm concerned. Indonesia's Liga 1 is the 25th-ranked league in all of the AFC. But we go everywhere with no apologies. There's only one Champions League berth at stake right now, and that team would have to start in the playoff round. Those things are fluid by the time the next Champions League rolls around. They might be doing a little bit better. Time will tell. They're just over halfway through the season here, and there are five teams within five points of first place. Uh, number three, uh, Persija Jakarta. They're going to be playing host to number one PSM Makassar that we've had a couple of times over the last month or two, but not the first one. So a quick look at the table specifics. Uh, Makassar at 37, Madura United at 36 points. Uh, the hosts, Persija Jakarta, they're at 35. Uh, Bali United and Persim Bandung are not out of it in any way, shape or form, not with this many games to go. And they're just back at 33. When these two played earlier in the season, Makassar only managed a 1-1 draw at home. The series between these two, uh, Persija have had a little bit the better of it, earning a 4-5-2 and two record in recent seasons. Talking about them first, they're well inside the top 100 clubs. Last ranking I saw was number 79. I think Persija basically means Persia, by the way, for you word nerds like me out there. I know there was some uh, influence and maybe even some uh, quasi-colonization from the Persian Empire way, way back. The team is known as the Kemayoran Tigers. Uh, Kemayora is a district, by the way, of central Jakarta. They may have the biggest fan base in all of Asia, I read. I've got a hard time believing with teams like uh, <laughs> some of the Saudi Arabian teams and Japanese teams. I just don't know, but one source said it, so it's a really big team at the very least. And why not? They've won 11 league titles, just two here in the modern era, maybe the last just 18 or so years. Most recently won it in 2018. 2019 internationally, they played in the AFC Champions League. Second preliminary round was all the further they got, though. And then in the AFC Cup, the secondary tournament, sometimes that's all their champion qualifies for when their uh, league is just a little bit lower in the continental coefficients. Uh, they've been as far as the group stage. Last year, they finished just in eighth place. 
this year. The defense is keeping them buoyed up near the top. They're only giving up three goals every four games on average. That is tops in the league. Uh, Their offense is very average at best. They're not even getting one and a half per. Good overall for the number five goal differential. I think we're deep enough into the season to say, This is probably not one of the teams that's going to be surviving in another two months as far as the true title race is concerned. But that's why they play the games, and I'm just a noob. But the metrics are the metrics, and I think the cold differential is really telling. Team leading score for them with five on the year is uh, Czech player, center forward Michael uh, Kermenschik. Uh, he spent the heart of his career with Victoria Pielsen back home, which I don't think was a really great team probably when he was there, but nothing to do with his departure. Uh, but they are in the creme de la creme now. That's really become a three-team league instead of just two. This team's current form 3-0-1 in their last four. And now PSM, Makassar, that is the capital of the state of South Sulawesi, which is in the eastern half of Indonesia's territory overall. This is the fifth biggest city in the country, 1.5 million in the city proper, metro area of about 2.5 million. Uh, most famed historically for hair oil, maybe back in colonial times. So, you know, just think about the great mustaches maybe they've had back then and over the course of history and know that this is what those were used to smooth those out and curl them up. Makassar oil. Also from, famous from this area, if you have really old style, old school dark wood cabinets, it could be ebony that was used from trees from this area. They are ranked just inside the top 150 within the AFC. Those coefficient ratings, by the way, go back about five years. They've won six league titles, but they're ranked a fair bit lower than their hosts today because they've only won one title here in the modern era of that league, and that was just before the turn of the century, 1999-2000 season. I was about to say this year, but technically now it's last year. 2022 AFC Cup, they made the ASEAN or Southeastern Zonal Final of that tournament, best they've ever done. Uh, They made the quarterfinals once of what is now the Champions League in Asia back in 2001. Last year, they nearly got relegated, finishing all the way down in 14th place. They've got great mascots, by the way, though. They're known as the Red Fish and then the Roosters of the East, uh, quite the dichotomy there in the sort of animals that they might have running around their stands, but I think that's fun. They, too, are a defensive juggernaut. They're only giving up a little more than a half goal every single game. Their offense is a little bit better than their opponents today. They get one and three quarters, quarters goal per match, and you put them together, and that adds, a, adds up to having the number one goal differential by almost 50% in this league. Therefore, I really like McCaster's chance to get both a result in this game and to hold on to the title. They've got a Brazilian, as so many of these Asian teams, too, in these middling leagues. They have a limited number of forwarders they can typically have on their team. Top 10 score with six is the singularly named Everton at center forward. European fans may recognize him from his time at an admittedly not great team, but nevertheless, one of the better teams in all of Europe, and one of the better leagues, I should say. Maritimo in Portugal. Teams current form, they are 2-2-0 in their last four. Bring forth the bonus matches! We're going to enjoy bonus matches, and why not? Hopefully, you're amongst those that voted for them. That's right. You get to have a say in the content. Every single week early on, Monday or Tuesday, I put up polls on Twitter, 
Soccer Noob USA. By there, there, by the way, is where you can find me. You vote for one of the candidate matches, and the glorious content gets made. It's dreamy. Our first one is a roadkill match that we dramatically call the route, 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 route of 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 the week, 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 week. Well, I find the echo sound effect that she made a couple of years ago extra good anyway. Dramatic, if you will. Hey, we're turning back the clock a little bit for a Sunday match and headed to the women's side of the ball for the first time this particular episode. This is the Italian women's Serie A, their first season fully professional, by the way. Congratulations to them. Yet they're already the number five ranked league in UEFA. Last year, they got two teams into the Champions League, and they had to start back in the first of two qualifying rounds. To be honest, I'm unsure if they've climbed high enough that that's going to change a little bit or not. That could be in flux. On the other end of the spectrum, one team will get relegated in the end of the year, and one team will have to fight for their top flight lives in a relegation playout match. Things are a little bit more competitive, which I really like. They actually reduced the number of teams this year from 12 back to 10. I suspect that a couple of the teams just weren't ready, quite ready rather, to go fully pro. Now, they're going to play a double round robin regular season in this league and then divide the league into half to play championship and relegation rounds. Another 10 match this time, double round robin. Right now, they're about two thirds of the way through the regular season. Your matchup. Number 10, Parma Calcio, 1913, shaking in their boots. Although I think they changed the name this year from 1913 to either 2022 or 2023 in honor of uh, some changes they've made. In any case, they are probably going to disappoint their fans this day as it is number one Roma who are coming to town. A look at the table. Roma currently lead second best Juve by five. Down at the bottom, Parma Calcio, they trail number eight, Como and number nine, Sampdoria, by four points each. When they played earlier this season, Roma uh, batted them around like a collective cat toy and won five nothing. Series between these two, Roma have had the better of it, but we're always looking for a little bit of light in this tunnel of soccer darkness. Uh, in the last couple of seasons, Parmacalcio did manage a win. 4-0-1 is Roma's recent record against them. Let's talk about the host first from Parma. That is in the north central part of Italy, city of about 200,000. This is where the famous prosciutto ham is from. In fact, this is a big food industry area in general, and Europe's version of the American FDA is located here. So you can trust the ham, and why wouldn't you? Ham. Club was founded in 2015. Last summer, they actually bought the Division I team Empoli and therefore got their license. I don't think they actually earned their way up, and thusly, they're probably going to be sent right back down. Oh, and yes, here it is on my note. Notes, the name is officially now Parma Calcio 2022. They've only won one match on the season. Problem? Uh, well, there's a laundry list of them. They've got the number nine offense of the league. They're not even scoring a goal per match, but the defense is the real bugaboo. They're giving up almost three per match, and no other team in the league is anywhere close to that. They've got the worst goal differential by over 50%. Nevertheless, they do have a gal who is in the top 10 in league scoring with five on the year, uh, Italian-born Melania Martinovic. She's got five on the season, and we have a USA connection. I couldn't readily find too much on her, but they do have an American defender, or at least she's eligible to play for the United States, Antoinette Williams. Team's current form, they have lost two straight matches. 
And now, coming to town to once again probably have their way with them, Roma, they are known as the She-Wolf, a nod to the uh, historical founding of the city of Rome. Also a very young club, as are most of the ones in Italy. It was founded in 2018. Uh, They're one major trophy so far. They won the FA Cup in 2020-2021. They're still alive in the Champions League ongoing right now and about to play one of Germany's really good ones, Wolfsburg, in the quarterfinals. Last year, they finished in second place in the league. This year, the defense just astounding. They only give up a little bit less than two-thirds of a goal every match on average. Coupled with the top three offense, they have the number one goal differential going. Tied for fifth place in team scoring with six is Valentino Giacinti, another center forward. Team's current form, well, they've won three straight and get this, a 15-1 and goal differential. Wow. Could you be... The most meaningless match in the world. Yes, you could. You're so boring. (laughs) But we don't come to have fun at their expense. Eh, For the most part, we want to shine a spotlight, pay homage to two teams somewhere in the world that you have voted for that nobody else in the world is probably paying much attention to, maybe even in their home country. It always involves two teams, uh, typically from a top flight league somewhere in the world, that are equidistant from the glory and honor that would be being near the top of their table, being able to earn a Champions League or some other tournament berth, but they're not really in danger either. They're far away from the uh, far enough away from the drop zone that they can comparatively kick back and relax and not worry about too much. You have voted for a Sunday match for this one from the Super League of Turkey, which is ranked number 12 in UEFA. That's up eight spots from a year ago and actually puts them a lot closer to where I first discovered them when I started following footy in earnest about four years ago. But they're not going to send too many teams to international competitions because that's based on previous years. So they will get rewarded probably two years from now. As things stand next year, they'll just send one team to the Champions League and they'll have to start all the way back in the first qualifying round. Two other teams will get to go to the Europa Conference League's second qualifying round. On the other end of the table, four of the 19 teams are going to get relegated. And guess who doesn't have to worry about any of that probably? Number nine, Alanya Spor, and number 10, Fatih Karagumruk. Now, Alanya Spor, they lead Fatih by three in the table right now. They trail, perhaps more importantly, number three, Estenbol Bihak, Basaksha here by eight. A lot of points and a lot of teams to leapfrog. Uh, they don't have to make any travel plans to go deeper into Europe. Now, on the other end of things, uh, Fatih, they lead number 16, Hatay Spore. That's the best of the teams that's in the relegation zone by four points. So only half as many, but still a lot of teams that they would have to fall past. When they played earlier this season, Alanya Spore uh, won rather on the road. They won two to four. Nice big shootout. Series between these two recently, Alanya Spore have gotten a 3 1 and 1 record built up. Two of the four Super League matches that are being played today are available on BN Sports. And this is not one of them. And that's why we're doing it, I guess. Alanya Spore. The city of Alanya is on the southwest, kind of central coast of Turkey. Not a huge city, about 100,000 people, quarter million in the greater metro. Big tourism area. And here's your most meaningless fact for the most meaningless match in the world for this team. 30% of the country's real estate sales in this area go to foreigners. And that is the most of anywhere in the country. 
Also, I don't know if you want to call this meaningless or not, but they've got one of the worst crests I have ever seen. Uh, use your Google machine to find this if you want. It's not garish. It's quite the opposite. First of all, there's kind of a weird uh, tent-shaped looking A that's filled in with a really dull green. And then there's an oblong American football kind of shape in the middle. It's yellow backfilled and has a weird uh, blocky black S inside it. And then uh, much of the rest of the background is a dull orange. Uh, there's also a white circle that's below everything that I just described. And then with squiggly lines kind of inside, as if they were too lazy to write out what they wanted to write out. It's like, oh, here's something that represents writing. And it says 1948, which I assume is the year that the club was founded, but it doesn't match <laughs> in a crest where really nothing matches anything else, colors or otherwise. This club is ranked just inside the top 250 in UEFA. 2020-21, though, they did get some international experience, got to play in the Europa League's second qualifying round where they lost. That is the team's only ever international appearance that I can find record of. Last year, they nearly got to go somewhere again. They finished in fifth place. This year, the defense is what's letting them down. One and two-thirds per goal isn't all-time bad, but uh, that puts you 13th in this league. It's not the highest-scoring league in the world. They're well within the top half, only getting one and two-thirds goals per match. Overall, number 10 goal differential, minus one. Yeah, absolutely meaningless. Their most meaningless player, rather than looking for a great one, we look for one right in the middle of uh, the FOTMOB app rankings, Daniel Candeas. He's a Portuguese left winger, 34 years old, just one goal, two assists on the season. To be honest, not much of a passer, but he is a pretty good tackler. He's made lots of European stops. Most recent one with the team with which you might be familiar, Rangers, one of the big two over in Scotland, and he played there from 2017 through 19. Team's current form, they are a perfectly meaningless 2-0-2 in their last four. And now Fatih. That is the name of a district that is actually in Istanbul. And then Karagmaruk is actually a neighborhood. It means black gum. I'm really hoping that refers to a tree because otherwise, yuck, no matter what else it would mean. Basically, this area geographically, if you're a history buff at all, you might know that it coincides with the old Constantinople. Uh, this used to be, if you go back a couple hundred years, so fairly recently by uh, Eurasian standards, this was a pretty wealthy area, but it's a working class one now. The wealthier folk have all moved to the Anatolian or Asian side of the border, I believe. And the city's got over 400,000 people, probably a little bit of a richer club than their opponents today. This is their third straight year in Division I and their first stretch since the 1980s. So welcome back and congratulations on not being in our next match, which we'll get to in a little bit. I would have guessed that would have been more likely for them. Uh, last year, so eighth place this year, second best offense in the league, getting over two per game. But... Since they're in the most meaningless match, I'll bet you can guess they've got the worst defense, giving up almost as many goals as they score. So their goal differential is just a little bit above average, just one above the even mark. Most meaningless player for them is a Swede named Jimmy Dermash, central midfielder, 33 years old. No goals, no assists, doesn't seem to be his role. They could probably use a little more production for him, but he's a good passer. Good dribbler. I don't know if he ever did, but at his age, he's not able to really track back too much on defense anymore. He's played for some slightly better teams in the past, but he's getting into the twilight of his career. Uh, he's made stops at Toulouse over in France, Olympiakos, one of the big ones in Greece, and Malmo, an excellent Swedish team for him back home. Team's current form, 
gotten two straight draws, pretty meaningless. They are unbeaten in their last four, largely been sure to shootouts, a 13-8 and eight goal differential. And now, as always, we do not end the podcast in notes of happiness or joy, but rather with wailing and gnashing of teeth, feel consternation towards the match of... Disappointed! This is always a match between two teams from smack dab in the bottom of their table. You have selected a Friday match from one of the French territories. We're headed back to the Caribbean, specifically to Martinique, where the top flight is known as the Champion National. And on Friday, there will be a match that probably nobody's going to want to go to. There's got to be a lot of other things to do in Martinique anyway. But hey, they're CONCACAF members, even though they're part of the overall French FA. And so we're going to pay attention to them. The overseas territories in France, by the way, I believe are collectively considered to be right on par with the sixth tier in the French pyramid, give you a little bit of an idea of the quality. None of these teams, uh, even if they're eligible, would be uh, probably able to do very much damage inside the CONCACAF Champions League, let alone even the old CONCACAF League that is going the way of the Dodo Bird. According to Kick Algorithms, a site that I really know and trust, this is the 19th ranked league in all of our federation. Give you some perspective. Quality-wise, that puts them between Trinidad and Tobago, which have a little bit stronger national team than they do league system, and Belize, easily the weakest of the Central American teams, or countries, I should say. This is a league that is made up of 16 teams, the Championnat Nacional, and they are divided into two groups of eight. The top three from each group will make the playoffs at the end of the regular season. The bottom two from each of the groups will get relegated, and then two more teams will have to face off from each group in a relegation playoff match. We are now looking at the last regular season match week for them. By the way, a couple of side notes before we get into the match proper. First of all, this is one of those leagues that kind of strangely doesn't use use quite the usual points scoring system. I'm not talking about one point for one goal. I mean, as far as in the table. You still get three points for a win, but I believe you get two points for a draw here, and then you get one point just for showing up instead of, I guess, staying home and sunbathing or something like that. There are some other countries that do that. Usually those countries will actually award four points for a win with that system, but I don't believe that's the case here. But no matter how you decide to tally it up on your fingers, the worst two teams in Group A and, in fact, in all of the league they are number seven, good luck, FC. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good luck to them today. Why not? Because we normally don't do that. But hey, this might be your one shot and win. They're playing host to number eight and last place, Trinnell. Uh, there's only one win that these teams have had between them. The table, well, good, le- good luck lead Trinnell by three. They trail number six place in their group, Golden Star, by 10 points. They would have to make Well, there's no way they can make all that up on the last one, but that's how far below they are, the teams that are even going to have to be playing in the relegation playout match. Astoundingly bad, even for this level. They played earlier this season. Uh, Good luck got their win on the road 1-2. to And again, that's the only win either of these two teams has had on the season. Talk about the hosts first. Good luck. They play out of the capital city of Fort de France. They came back to Division I in 2017-18, and and then got relegated again, and now they are back once again this year. Get thee gone. Go back to where you belong, the second division. It's never going to work out. Well, never say never. Anybody can have a bad 75 years. They've won the league title twice, 1945 and 1957. They've also won the FA Cup on the island country four times, but again, got to go back a ways, 1979. 
Now, they also get to play in the Coupe de France. They haven't managed that in a while, 1978-79. This year in league play, uh, they have the worst offense in their group. They're getting almost a goal and a half per match, so at least the football is somewhat entertaining to watch, presuming you like offense. They do have the worst defense going by far, giving up uh, almost four and a half goals per match. That's well over twice as bad for the goal different or for the defense as anybody else. Worst goal differential by a factor of two. Team's current form, no surprise here. They have lost six straight. And now Trinnell. Uh, they also play out of a, a district within the capital city of uh, Fort de France, maybe a little bit more on the outskirts. Last year, they finished in second place, and then they fell out of the first round of the playoffs, the quarterfinals there. They've got the worst offense going by far. Uh, I think earlier this show I said something about uh, irresistible uh, force and a movable object. This would be <laughs> These two teams are the resistible force and the quite movable object. <laughs> you could do it. Uh, worst offense giving... Uh, only scoring about a half a goal per match on average. That is three times worse than anybody else. The defense, uh, overall, it's kind of average-ish for the whole league, but that's still giving up over two goals per match. Team's current form, they have lost nine straight matches. And even though we sort of said good luck to good luck earlier in there, we're still, you know what, I rescind that. We are going to heckle them away and shoo them off in our traditional fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Hey, boo. boo! That will very nearly put a wrap on episode 119 of Soccer Noob Rock in America featuring Person Noob. I want to nerd out a little bit here vexillogically. We like our geography and related things here. And far away football on Twitter right before we started recording today had a really nice thread on the brand new flag there in Martinique. They have now officially gotten rid of the white upright coiled snake that looks a little bit like what you might see shape-wise, say, on a Gadsden flag against a blue background. Historically, all the French territories have had to have some commonalities in their flag with, at the time that they were colonized, the French flag. Now, unofficially, this flag has kind of been replaced in the past, but with something different. Now they have something brand new and have completely moved away from the old one. And the reason they've wanted to do that is because it's really been seen in more recent years that that flag was very much connected uh, with the slave trade and some other negative things, of course, from colonial times. So now they've got one with the red and black triangles working down from left to right and a gorgeous uh, deep mint green ribbon in the middle and then a silhouetted black long-billed bird that I assume, of course, is indigenous to the region. It is in flight. A couple of feathers have just started to uh, come off of it here in the pictorial. It is fabulous. So, hey, you know, congratulations to them and Google that up. And now we really are done for this episode. So thank you to Faraway Football. I'd also, too, as always, like to thank he who is known as the management for all of his editing and production wizardry to Dan the Interno Inferno for all of his creative and inspired efforts to my daughter, Person Noob. Mwah! We love that you love animals and counting down and all the things that you add to the show. And finally, thank you to you for finding us. We hope you enjoyed this really what we've heard described as change of pace podcast compared to a lot of other ones and that you wouldn't mind passing us on to your footy minded friends. So until we can do it again in a few days, please have yourselves a fabulous footy week. Take care.